Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey, and however you found us, we're glad that you're here as we get a behind-the-scenes look with the Pursuit Spirits brand. Tonight, it's just me and Ryan on the podcast. How are you doing tonight? Wow, I feel like a thousand pounds lighter. You know, no Kenny here. I can just be myself and be free. We'll have him back soon enough, but this is timely. I thought it was it would be a good time to kind of just uh, break some stuff down with you and in your business ventures and in what it looks like for you and what you do with Pursuit as you juggle other businesses. I think there's a lot of people this might resonate with. But before we get into this topic, I also thought it'd be timely for us to pop one of the Pursuit Series bottles that's still available at Sealbox. So when we released the new batch of bourbon and the new batch of rye, there were also a couple of the Pursuit Series single barrels that happened to go up for sale for people to pick up at Sealbox.com. And the one we are tasting tonight is episode 51, which happens to be a Penny and Sparrow pick. What do you know about uh, what do you know about this barrel? I kind of forgot, you know, we Kenny had just dropped all these bottles off to me like uh, about a week ago, and we've been so laser focused on um, Pursuit United and, and Bourbon and Rye that we we haven't had much single barrel releases in quite some time, and we picked these barrels in, gosh, 2019 probably, uh, yeah, I'd say late 2019, early 2020, and I'm you know, I tasted through them the other day. I was like, wow, I forgot that we could pick uh, really good single barrels. You know, we've been, I've been right. so like laser focused on blending and building flavors out of different barrels that uh, hadn't been focused on barrels, single barrels. And man, I've been pleasantly surprised. And this is the first time I've drank this in, since we picked it, you know, probably in 2019, because we picked these barrels when we had them stored down in Memphis um, with our other broker and, you know, then we transitioned everything to Barstown Bourbon Company in late 20, or no, I guess that was, yeah, yeah, last last year in mid to late 2021. And so they've really just been sitting in Memphis and then in Bardstown for the past year. And then they finally got bottled. We grouped them all together and sent them out to, you know, our closest fans and groups that wanted to do single barrel picks with us. And so, yeah, that's what we're drinking on tonight in this Episode 51 was a Tennessee rye barrel that we picked, and these ryes are really good. I mean, the Tullahoma place is a polarizing, uh, you know, flavor for in the bourbon realm, but the rye whiskeys really, there, there's no polarization about it. I mean, it's just really good whiskey. Um, every, you know, rye I've had from them has been fantastic. It's just really balanced. You know, it's it's got some more like a limey, citrusy flavor profile, tropical fruits in there, but it's got some rich, deep, you know, caramel barrel characteristics to them too. So I'm, I haven't tasted this one yet in quite some time, but that's what I remember about the previous rye barrels that we've chose for uh, our pursuit series. Absolutely. And we won't go too crazy on a really long review. That's not really what we do here all that often, but I do think it'd be informational for people who, you know, they might see these single barrels on the site and not know what to expect. So let, let's talk about a little bit. I'll, I'll start. And I say that just because I want to want you to get your, your first sips in, but I will say, you're pretty on the nose there when you talk about that lime kind of acidity that it has. And then when you talk about the tropical things, the notes that I had written down coming onto the episode before you got here was there's something on the nose that reminds me of pina colada. And I do not pick that up all that often, but it has this kind of fun, sweet, 
like sugary pineapple note there and then a little bit of spiced apple after that it's really an inviting nose yeah i'm nosing it myself and it it, it's like reminds me i think it was episode 29 when we did a tennessee rye and it has a lot of those same tropical fruit i think on that one the tasty note said like you put the lime in the coconut or something because of those tropical kind of notes that you pick up in the these rye barrels um but yeah they're they're on the nose, they're there for sure. That's got a good palate too. I mean, I, I love when you're able to find, I say, well-aged rye whiskeys like this. I mean, it's a six-year-old rye. It's not nothing crazy, but it's not too young either. You know, we see a lot of stuff that's, you know, sub six years on the market, but I think that there is a little touch of oak or wood presence in there as well. But man, you have a real creamy palate. It's really creamy. It has like a nougat type softness to it. And then a lot of stone fruit, I think, finishing. Yeah, it's got a ton of brown sugar, deep, like rich sugar that you reduce down, you know, and like dessert type dishes and those explosion of those little tropical fruits. There's not too much like citrus or pine. I mean, there's a ton of citrus, but not any like piney or lemony notes. It's more kind of like, like you said, stone fruits that you typically don't get with the rye. Yeah, it's very well balanced. It's got a lot of nice barrel character. Just what you said. I'm basically repeating what you said, but yeah, it's very good. <laughs> If a rye to you that has concentrated sugars, tropical notes, a nice kind of lime lead uh, sharpness or citrus quality with a, a nice body, real creamy, good fruit finishing. Again, this is episode 51. If that sounds good to you guys, they should still be up at Sealbox at the time of this recording going out. Can't say that's going to last forever. But uh, while we keep sipping on this, let's let's go ahead and talk into the topic at hand, which is... It's not really a topic, I guess. I just want to talk business stuff uh, when it comes to you. So I'll pull it back from the very beginning, and then we'll kind of dive a little bit deeper. But I want to talk about all your businesses that you juggle. So, you know, if you feel compelled, you can, you can, I know you've said on your all's podcast before, when we did Entry Proof Podcast, you've, you've mentioned a lot of places before your, your history and when it comes to the businesses that you either have had or you do have. But I'm maybe, more curious, aside from the history, what's a week in the life of Ryan look like? There's a lot going on, and it's uh, doing my best to juggle and manage it all. But so to give you a background and context, I was diagnosed with, you know, ADD, ADHD, you know, somewhere around middle school, high school. So I really had a trouble focusing in school, doing one task, things that I weren't interested in. But if I was really interested in something, I was hyper focused, you know, and I just gave it my all. And so my father was an entrepreneur and a business owner and I always kind of knew I wanted to be that. Entrepreneurship really suits my, I guess, my ADD, ADHD mind very well because I'm constantly bouncing around doing different things from a day-to-day basis. So, I mean, just to get real practical, so as people may or may not know, I have my first business was my lawn care company which we do fertilization, weed control for residents here in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, started that about 13 years ago, built it up to, we have about 2,500 customers that we service here in Louisville, have about 10 turf managers, technicians that work with us, and then a couple office staff members. That really is like my main business and focus that has allowed me to enter into the bourbon space. And so my typical day is uh, I wake up about 5.30 in the morning. Really what sets the foundation for my day is like I have to pray, meditate, journal, just to like calm my mind for the shit storm I'm about to hit, you know, for the day. Because 
once you've built a successful business and this and that, you you go from being like a technician into basically like a chief problem solver or chief fire putter outer. So like all day long, I'm constantly like seeing what challenges are out there, what problems we have. So meditation, prayer, spiritual life is very important foundation for me every morning and I don't miss it like clockwork. So that's like you typically from like 545 to 615 ish. And then I get to work. I go to look in my, my call log for our lawn care and mosquito spraying company. And I look at all the different things that have happened over the night. What problem fires do I got to put out? Look at our numbers, look at our production numbers, our sales, our cancels, what shit did we mess up the day before? Whose gate we need to fix? What wreck did somebody have? You know, there's all these just things that come flying at me the first thing in the morning. And I try to tackle those early because most people are asleep. It's quiet. My kids aren't up yet and I can get a lot, you know, done. You know, about seven o'clock, my kids wake up and then I take them to school. And then once I drop them off, I'm going to the shop, seeing the guys and the girls to get them going for the day. And I, I'm really focused on the lawn care mosquito for probably till about two or three o'clock every day. But during that time, you know, there's stuff happening in the bourbon side of things going. As in between stops, this and that, I'm answering emails from distributors. I'm, you know, texting with you guys. I'm calling barrel brokers, seeing where barrels we can get, calling suppliers, this and that with Kenny, trying to find, you know, where's our glass going to come from, this or that. And so my schedule's pretty flexible, but I'm always like sprinkling in you know, the bourbon stuff during the the day. And then about say two or three, I really start, I said about two to three hours to like do bourbon stuff. I'll do that till about five or six o'clock. And then typically I get home, you know, most of the time five or six. And I really try to focus on family time. And it's, this has been really hard for me with so much going on with the, the podcast, the bourbon brand, the go green and mosquito when I'm home, it's hard for me to turn my brain off because I'm always thinking about, okay, what happened today? What fires do I got to put out tomorrow? What do I need to do tomorrow? And so that's been a real challenge. And I'm my wife is constantly challenging me and, I, and I'm trying to listen to her and I'm getting better about it. But being present, you know, during those hours and really focusing on family time. Usually, uh, you know, about eight or so, we put the kids to bed, eight to eight thirty. And then from about eight thirty to, you know, ten, ten thirty. I'm usually practicing blending. You know, that's what I really am doing as my wind down because I'm so passionate about it and I'm testing new flavor profiles. I'm putting new experiments together, wood finishing, this and that, uh, trying different products from other folks. That's what's really, I kind of look forward to each night is really focusing on that blending side of things. And then I'm typically in bed about 1030 and you, you, we start it all over. So that's like a typical day. The good thing about the way I set up my businesses and schedules, they kind of have peaks and valleys. So lawn care is obviously very busy in the spring and fall. And so spring, I'm kind of more laser focused on lawn care in March and April. And then summer, things are kind of steady. And so I kind of shift to bourbon, like doing the podcast, focusing on the brand. And then September and October are really busy in the lawn care side too. So I kind of shift there. What's really been stressful this year is that Pursuit United got delayed. It was supposed to launch in March and April to have summer to promote it. Well, it got pushed to like July and August release. And now we're having to promote it in September and October during my busy time. And so it's been kind of, you know, j- trying to juggle 
the busy time for my lawn care while trying to promote the the brand has been a kind of a busy, stressful time. That's kind of the cadence of the year too for me. So like spring and falls, lawn care focus, heavy lawn care focused, summers bourbon focused, and winters bourbon focused. Yeah. So I'm really curious. I, I know, or we know that you grew up in Bargetown. You've been around the industry for a long time, and so as you're seeing yourself in this role or as you see yourself function in the day-to-day, do you think it's common or do you find it common with other people that you know in the industry that they both work at at a, quote, day-to-day, and then they balance, you know, for lack of a better word, this hobby role, or I guess, you know, they they balance a day-to-day that's not bourbon and they try and fit in the work that they want to do on the on the industry as well. Do you find that to be pretty common? Yeah, it definitely seems like in the bourbon, especially the bourbon media side, a lot of folks, you know, it, it's hard to make it a full-time gig, as we all know. You know, there's quite a bit of, of us and it's hard to monetize it to where you could make it a full-time gig. And so a lot of us do, you know, have day jobs and focus on bourbon at night. And it's easy for us to do that because it's our passion. But sometimes it can lead to burnout, you know, because you're so busy during the day and then, you know, it's nine o'clock and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to work on a podcast. I'm dead tired. I got this deadline tomorrow with my real job. Do I really want to get on the microphone and blab about bourbon for, and usually when you get on there, it's okay. But I know that's pretty common, you know, with everyone in the, the media space, as far as the, like the, the brand space, it seems like more, it feels like we're one of the only ones that are kind of doing this part-time you know a lot of folks either they're investors and they have a team doing it for them you know that's helped running the business for them whereas we are kind of the investors the technicians the blenders the marketers we're kind of doing it all and still having full-time jobs so it it seems like an advantage maybe that other brands have over us is that they are able to focus on it all day every day whereas we're kind of trying to make the most of it as we can while we're still hanging on to our day jobs. As people may or may not know, we're, we're really investing in the future of this company. And so to do that, we have to keep our full-time jobs. So at a later date, we can maybe take that leap to go bourbon full-time. Now, I love what you said about your your morning ritual and, and what you had to kind of focus yourself for the day. I think those are kind of those insider business tips. It's like, oh man, what, what is something that somebody who's who's wiser, been doing it for a little bit longer, can kind of you know, speak some words into people. So similar to that, what are what are some other sorts of things that you've learned, maybe from your other businesses, uh, that help shape the way that you work when it comes to pursuit? What I was forced to learn with my existing business was delegation and outsourcing a lot of tasks that are kind of not, they're critical, but I don't have to do them, you know? And so that's, I learned that a ton. Tim Ferriss, he's an author and podcaster. He actually inspired me to create the Burn Pursuit podcast. He had a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. He really talked about having systems and uh, having the business run without you, having outsourcing tasks that anybody can do that you're not necessarily the best at. Your time's more focused on higher performing tasks that are going to be beneficial to the business. It's not advantageous for me to sit there and answer phone calls all day from clients gathering their data when I could be out there selling, you know, lawn care or empowering my team to, uh, to go, you know, do the things that they need to do. And two, I've learned that 
it, it's hard coming from a technician mindset that, you know, when you start your own business, you're like, oh, I'm the best at doing this. And, but then you realize you have only have so much bandwidth and so much time and so much scalability. And so you really have to start to learn to trust and uh, lean on other people to help you and your company grow. And that's what I've really learned a ton from Go Green and Mosquito 911. I've I've really made the business. At first, the business was more about me and my partner, which I have an awesome partner. He's very supportive of the bourbon brand and allow me to do what I do because he understands how much I put into Go Green as well. And but um, learning that uh, you know, not making the business or everything about you, and really empowering people and up lifting them up and giving them opportunities to have responsibility to earn more money to make their name in the company too, is something that I really learned. And two, I learned what, what's been really valuable for the pursuit spirit size is understanding the finances of it. So when you first start a business, you know, you, it's as simple. It can be as simple as money in money out, but there's all these like different tax codes and different tax liabilities and uh, different amortization, depreciation, this and that, really understanding the financial models of how businesses run and cash flow problems and cash flow, uh, creating cash flow systems so you don't have cash flow problems and understanding financing to alleviate those pains. That's something that I've really learned that's really helped us on the pursuit spirit side because being such a capital intensive business that the bourbon industry is, you really have to have cash flow figured out and we're getting there, but I feel like I had a jump, a head start understanding that from the previous business. Whereas, you know, if we just went into this, not having some, having me run a business, it probably would have been a lot more daunting and more challenging. And so there, those are just a few things off the top of my head that have really kind of translated. And two, you know, Kenny gets very impatient <laughs> with the success of the company and, you know, I was too, when I've started my first business, you're, you know, you think, Hey, I know what I'm doing ever. The market's going to love me. It's going to be an overnight success. And it's not like that. It takes time to like, you know, figure things out, get people to trust you, get people behind your brand. And, but once you get there, it's like a, it's a snowball effect. It's a, somebody taught me there's like the six degrees of separation. You know, once you get like your core, your thousand true fans or thousand true customers, then they all know six people and they'll tell six people, then they'll tell six people, you know, and it starts, you know, really snowballing like that. But it takes time to build that trust with like those thousand true fans. And so going through that and understanding that patience, that success just isn't going to come overnight has really helped me like coach Kenny through, you know, the early struggles of what we've had gone through with the podcast and with the brand as well. On the flip side of, of that question, then what are some things that you've learned from your other business or businesses or other ventures that you've done or thought about doing or tried that have made you pivot from where you were initially going to what you do when it comes to pursuit? One thing that I was, that held me, held us back at, and go green and our mosquito company was, I was very conservative and really wanted to pay cash for everything. Wanted to be kind of like Dave Ramsey ish. Like if we needed a truck, we need to pay cash for it. We need to use, you know, if we could only afford a used vehicle, that was it. And it took me a while, probably five or six years to really understand leveraging like debt 
to grow your business in a responsible way. Because of that, like I wish I'd shifted that earlier in our go green. And now with understanding the debt and finance side with the pursuit, you know, we're talk we're taking on millions of dollars of debt and it's like it's nothing. You know, whereas when I was starting Go Green, every penny count and I was counting it and stressed out about every little thing. Now understanding, you know, the finance side, I wish I would have done that differently with Go Green. I wish I'd been more comfortable with financing our growth, if that makes sense, because I was just kind of a little too conservative at the beginning and it really slowed the company's growth um, because I was kind of getting in the way with that conservative mindset. Yeah, I think there's an old adage that goes something along the lines of uh, scared money don't make no money. Exactly, precisely. And it's Pursuit Spirits has really uh, pushed me in that regard. I, I'm still scared, but I feel more and more comfortable about what we're doing. But it's helped definitely made it's definitely made me help make better, way better business decisions with Go Green. Like, you know, we're living in crazy times where you're having to secure materials for a year in advance. Prices are volatile. You don't know whether to lock in or this or that. And understanding the finance side at a scale like Pursuit Spirits is going to be and seeing those, how those margins add up, you know, even if they're just like a one to 2% margin has really helped me make better business decisions for Go Green at securing materials, you know, using debt to um, get the best deal and then paying that back, you know, as we produce cash throughout the year. And it, it just helped me make so much better decisions that we put more money back into the company and into our pockets um, because of learning this finance side on the, the scale of Pursuit Spirits. I feel like this is a safe question to ask because uh, Kenny is not here. You talk so much about your passion for this. And then I know that what really gets you would get you going has been the blending side of this. And so I feel like I can ask, what are some aspects of the process, be it types of barrels, distillate, mash bill, ingredients that people blend with? What are what are the things that or what is something that interests you the most in this hobby as a whole? In all the things that you could get nerdy about, is there a side of the industry that has you most interested that we don't often talk about? Yeah, definitely. The the maturation side is very interesting. Um, Andrew with Independent Stave and you know, and also folks at like Interstave and West Virginia Barrel Company and they really have like dialed in the research of like, hey, you know, if you use this wood at this char or at this this, you're gonna get these flavors at this age of this product if you want. And that really fascinates me. And, you know, I'm always trying to like poke the bear Kenny like cause we, we obviously have a great foundation for United you know, those three awesome mash bills, but we kind of had to pivot, you know, this year and get a 75, 21, four mash bill because BBC didn't have it. And it was fun working with that, you know, and seeing the different flavors it pulled out. And so I'm like, I'm really excited to try different mash bills and also try different maturations. Like, you know, independent staves really pushing research that says, if you're going to sell a four to six year old whiskey, you need to be doing a barrel one or sorry, a char one, you know, whereas the industry standards been char three or four for hundreds of years. And it's just cause they have data on it that says it pulls out more caramel rounds out some of those grain notes, you know, at younger ages, more sweeter on the profile. 
Whereas if you're going to do a three or four, it needs to be, you know, an older, you know, release like an eight to 12 year old. And so it's like, okay, how can we use a mash bill plus the maturation side to create interesting, new flavors to build, to just put another, I want to build a, I want to build a really big spice cabinet, you know, with Pursuit Spirits that, you know, we have these great base products, but I can sprinkle in this different mash bill with this different char, you know, to pull out different flavors with each batch. That's what's kind of really exciting to me. And like the wood finishing side has been like a fascinating rabbit hole, um, just seeing how different woods and different wine barrels and different chars and this and that really affect the distillate. Because you know, where we're distilling at, they got it nailed. Like I don't, I understand distilling, but we don't really need to mess with that part. I'm not so interested in that, but I'm interested in how do we use that distillate in a match and do it in maturation that makes it unique to us is kind of what I'm interested in. Yeah. I, I would assume that, you know, moving into the finishing and those projects that we're going to be seeing you know, going into the end of the year or continuing on from there ha- has been an interesting sandbox to be in because, yeah, you know, we we have been focusing on Pursuit United Bourbon, Pursuit United Rye, and then even before then, some of those Pursuit Series single barrels. So, yeah, we get to, you get to experiment in a slightly different way to get those gears turning. Yeah, absolutely. And Pursuit United and Bourbon and Rye are definitely going to be staples. And Kenny's been awesome at getting us you know, getting a pipeline of having that consistency where we can have a really good product. <laughs> my other business partner says this about me too, is like in the go green side. And this is one of my greatest downfalls is in maybe one of my greatest strengths too, is that as soon as like, I got something figured out, he's like, you want to break it and try something new. It's like, why can't you just let it work for a little bit? <laughs> and it's like, that's just, I don't know. That's just my personality is like, as soon as I figure something out, I'm like, all right, well, how can we, break it apart and push it to get it even better. And sometimes that's blown up in my face, you know, it's, uh, and creates more problems, creates confusions on, you know, with staff and this and that. But, um, yeah, I think in the whiskey and being, you know, this is what I really love about the blending side because I can put some of that creativity, those creative juices into the blending side and you don't have to be so systemized and, you know, having SOPs for that. It's really kind of, you know, an artistic creative endeavor that really excites me. Well, what's your personal end goal in this? I, you know, you talk all the time about how uh, enjoyable blending is. It, do you want to blend your, your whole time? Like, uh, you know, for the history, for the future that you see with pursuit spirits, is that what you see as your end goal? It's just you doing that forever and ever and ever. Amen. I mean, that would be, that would be heaven for me too. I love meeting, you know, I love working with, you know, the distillers and the, the operation people at the distilleries and the facility people that you work with. I, I love learning and just being around people as well. It gives me like a huge jolt of energy. Like I just love people and learning their stories. And so I, I, how I would love to blend only, but I, I'd like, I just like being around people as well. So help promoting the brand, uh, help telling the story, sharing the story, but also working with, you know, our contractors and the people we do all our sourcing with, I, I really get fascinated. And I love collaborating too. Like I'm really fortunate that I got to work with Dan at Bardstown Bourbon Company on a collaboration blend we're doing. And that was so much fun. You know, with United, we're kind of limited in what we have to work with and being able to have their whole arsenal of aged barrels and inventory to blend with was like, 
it was a dream come true. And, and, you know, working with Dan, he's got such a creative mindset and like his own system and just seeing how, you know, we differed, but how similar we were, that was like so much fun. And I'd love to do, I've learned so much from like Dixon Deadman, Drew's Colesveen, Joe and Tripp from Barrel, Nancy Freyla. I'd love to like collaborate with other people and just learn how they do things too. It's a, it really gets my, it sounds weird, it gets my juices flowing, but it's, you know, I, I get really excited about those things. Absolutely. Well, I'll ask one kind of final question, and maybe you have something for this, maybe you don't, but what's one future goal that you have with Pursuit Spirits that that might seem super far away or super unrealistic at this time that you hope to see come to fruition in the lifespan of Pursuit Spirits? My goal, I think, with all my businesses has really it's turned from what can it do for me to like what can we how can i use these opportunities to like empower other people i'm just really excited about the growth opportunities we have for the company that outside of kenny and i like i i really that's what excites me i want to bring on some like really good talent and help us grow and help us build and not just make it about us i want to have a company that really thrives outside of us and has, you know, really people focus and make it a great place to work. You know, that, that would be a success for me. I mean, money's fine. You know, that's, that's great. But once you know, it's like anything in your, in life, once you hit a certain amount, you're going to just keep wanting more and it, it never stops. So I'm, I'm content with the financial side's fine, but what really would make this satisfying and mean, meaningful is, creating opportunities for others to help grow this company with us. That's, that's what really gets, that's my end goal with this. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of an unfair advantage here, not being able to like tag team this topic with Kenny on the show, but I think it's kind of nice to take a little break away from that. And we'll do a sit down with Kenny as well. But while we're mentioning, you know, what do you, what do you enjoy the most about being able to share this particular thing uh, with Kenny and, and what you all have built uh, with with the brand, you know, we talked about how busy and how crazy my schedule can be, and I I think I'm a hard worker. I thought I was like one of the hardest working people, and then I met Kenny, and he's just nonstop. Like his brain is always churning, and like what I love about that is like he's always open to like hear my thoughts, comments. He's always wanting to like work on the business. It, there's so anytime I want to do that, he's he's there to do it. I never feel like, oh, no, I'm interfering with something with him. He's just always there for me and for this company to to push it. I mean, he'll I'll wake up at 530 and he's I can see that he sent emails at 3 a.m., you know, to 10 different people, 10 different vendors like following up and this and that. And he's so damn organized. Like if it if this company was up to me, it, you know, it wouldn't happen because I, everything would just crumble underneath me because he's just so good at like having a task and accomplishing it. It really allows me to help build relationships, focus on the whiskey, um, which is very important. And so it's just been an incredible working relationship that, uh, yeah, I'm super grateful for. It's been a, this has been a good episode. I feel like I was just thinking earlier today about researching kind of management and, and operational a podcast or, or book reads because it's kind of things that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it's interesting to hear 
your thoughts on things that are kind of been playing back around in my head. So I hope this is insightful to other people too, whether they're in the, the spirit industry or not. If anyone out there has, has gotten some insight from this or has even more questions, you know, email us podcast at pursuit We'll make sure that Ryan gets a chance to, to get some eyeballs on that. And, uh, and maybe respond to any questions I have, or are there other things you all want to hear on maybe future episodes that that dive in more specifically to to managing you know multiple businesses or to being able to, to to set target goals or any of that stuff. You know, maybe some more things that we didn't find finally get into with this. Uh, let us know. Podcast at pursuitspirits dot com. You know, you talk about managerial and this and that. It's it's a psychological like you know people humans are interesting. They want to break shit all the time, you know, and it's just <laughs> trying to figure out how to keep them from breaking shit and, you know, myself <laughs> included. And so that's uh, my biggest takeaway is, you know, try to understand, you know, the different people around you, empathize with them, see what makes them motivate them, love on them, you know, and just help build the world, you know, to be a better place, a good working place. Cause then people bring passion and enjoyment to their work. And, you know, then every the world will be a better place, you know? So if we wouldn't get slapped with a lawsuit, I'd just put it, it, in this with heal the world, you know, just trailing <laughs> off instead of our yep. normal outro, but yep. Heal the world. That. Appreciate you, Brian, too. You've been awesome, uh, working with us and, uh, I'm, I'm excited to have you along the journey as well. Hey, that's super kind. I appreciate you saying that. Gosh, yeah. Now I feel super encouraged. I'm ready to go on. I'm motivated now. Yeah. You done you take it. on the day tomorrow. You done did it and you did well, kid. Yeah. I can't even say my normal thanks, gents, because it's just you. But, man, I appreciate you jumping on and, and kind of giving that lowdown. And, again, maybe not next episode specifically, but look forward to an episode where we sit down with Kenny as well on his own and kind of see what kind of things make him tick. You all know where to find us. Make sure you're leaving a review. Let us know if you're enjoying the show. Recommend us to a friend. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you all later. Toodles. Toodles.